You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. friends welcome to episode seven of storyteller conclave this is a show all about helping you run your best tabletop role-playing game that you can whether you're a new storyteller or a dungeon master looking to learn the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take a game to the next level i am sarah and i'm rob we have some news updates real quick to get through since this show is going to be jam-packed uh our patreon is live yay you can easily support us on our show there um Storyteller Conclave is where you can find us on Patreon. There will be – I think there already is links on our uh, Twitter. Uh, let us know what you want to see there. Like we threw in some stuff because we are really bad at asking people for money. So we're not going to. We're just going to leave that there and see where it goes. Um, we also have our RSS feed up and I mean it is up and it feels so nice to have that because we are live on iTunes. We are live on Google Music. We are now live on Spotify as just like two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at – Stitcher. I I kind of looked into it a little bit. We'll see if there's if, if somebody asks for it, I will totally get that set up without a problem. Um, we did find out today, just a few moments ago, from the engineers here at Podcast Detroit that the website and the listen live will be active. Hopefully tomorrow after they finish the rebuild. Um, they got together with whoever they needed to and worked it out. So now that's going to just update on the website and you'll be able to listen to us live again. So for those of you who took the time to go get the app and listen to us live through the app, we appreciate it. But uh, everyone else who's hitting this on the recorded on the uh, afterthought of like a day or two later, we appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Uh, but you will be able to come back and listen to us live soon enough. Sarah. Rob, this topic kind of came at us sideways last week, and uh, honestly, I'll have to say, I was kind of excited to talk about it, and then I completely forgot about it over the weekend. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "What are we talking about?" He messages me, and he's like, "Okay, so I wanted I want to go put the show sheet together, and I sketched out some ideas, but I kind of forgot like where we were going with this." <laughs> Luckily, like we picked it right back up. Yeah, up and we no, left no, off, no, so it, that was good news. It, it, getting us to talk about any of these topics here is, you know, for for it, the the problem is getting us to talk about it for shorter than an hour, not getting exactly. us to talk about it for longer than. And what's funny is I'm actually going to come back to that later in this discussion, Uh-oh. that whole feeling and thought, because we talked about it literally just minutes ago at dinner. That's what we call uh, a callback. That's right. That's right. But we're going to get back to forgetting things and why it's important in games. But uh, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. All so right, right, right. let's talk a little bit about players and where you find them and who they are and kind of how to handle that whole thing. I mean, after this many years of doing it myself – I kind of know my – I'm going to say it and it's going to get us in trouble. My stable of bleeps, you know, <laughs> I know where to find them. Uh, we, 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 we could have – I could look at Kate and be like, I'm going to swear now, bleep me please, but that's not going to work out. Right, right, so right. Uh, we're just going to go with our best efforts to try and keep us in iTunes good favor. I don't have a bleep, but I have a boing. Ooh. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. Okay. Let <laughs> me right. know. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll do this. We'll do this. So, but like for me, it's always been finding the people you know, and sometimes you hear about someone new who wants to game with you. And, you know, I go through kind of my own little, I'm not going to call it a ritual, but like process mm-hmm. of, of vetting and discovery to see if they're going to fit into my game. Yeah, sure. Um, and I know there's some things for that, but there's a lot more than that now available. Like yeah, that's yeah. that opens the door, and obviously that's good for local games. But when you're dealing with, you know, I don't know, around the world, across the country, soon Mars as well. Right, right. By right. the way, I'm totally going to game with you on on Mars, Rummel. When you get there, you, we will have a campaign. It'll happen. Oh, you bet, you bet. So. He's going to be running Shadowrun remote. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Anyways, um. But uh, yeah, no, we we there, there's a lot there's a lot of options um, available out there for finding players nowadays. Uh, look, you know, we, we've talked about before. We're living in the digital age. There's yeah. a lot of digital uh, uh, sort of things out there, and even some of the some of the old traditional ways are still around. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody likes to game with their friends, um, but yeah, that's not always an option. Um, I'm I've heard you know stories from people who like live out in the middle of nowhere and like their nearest neighbor is three miles away. You oh. know. 
how are you going to find a, a gaming group, you know, of reliable friends when you know four people? Well, in not your only that, group, but like you, know? you move into a new area mm-hmm. and you don't know anybody around you. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, one of the uh, the the oldie goldie ways that's uh, that's been around for for a while. Um, Though I myself have never used this, and I, okay. I don't believe Rob, you've ever used this as well, uh, is going to your. Uh, you'll often hear them referred to as FLGS. That stands for Friendly Local Gaming Store. That's right. That is uh, true. So go into whatever your local gaming shop is, your little hobby hub that happens to be nearby. Um, oftentimes there will be some sort of a post board there, a bulletin board where people can post advertisements for uh, games that they may want to games be and groups. together. Uh, games and groups, uh, you know, mini painting surfaces, you know, yeah. things like that. Uh, but you may be able to find something up there saying like hey we've got a fifth edition game starting uh mm-hmm. we're looking for two more players if you're interested contact us at this number or whatever yeah especially if they i know there's a lot more stores who are doing in-store game sessions mm-hmm. where you can go and get time at one of their tables borrow their books yeah borrow their minis and such and i think that's great for people who are starting out and maybe just getting into it that gives you a nice center to start from Absolutely. and get to know people especially if you're brand new to an area you know and game stores love doing that sort of stuff too because uh it sells product yeah definitely, you know, it's, definitely. It's, it's a live product demo it's no different than getting the sample of you know salami or whatever from the from the deli right right or you know you get it you get a taste they want you to buy the whole thing exactly um but at the same time though uh there's also something going on right now with uh at least fifth edition D D where they've started up the adventurers league okay and it's a set of kind of standardized rules by which you have to apply to your character okay uh but as long as your character is adventurers league um viable uh, uh what's what's the word i'm looking for adventures league compliant compliant okay uh you can go basically to any adventures league game oh and they have them at multiple hobby stores multiple locations all across uh, if not the country the whole world Shadowrun did this yeah um they did their uh their live runner system mm-hmm. and they, there's a different name for it and i know right now i can hear Overwatch yelling at me about this. But anywho, <laughs> um, we took a look into that years ago. I want to say, God, probably close to seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. they started that. And as long as you followed it, you could do Shadowrun missions mm-hmm. anywhere. Any storyteller could do it. And when we went to um, Gen Con last year in August, which is a whole other discussion, believe me, it was fantastic. Don't don't think that side wasn't anything less than fantastic, but it is a lot to take in. Uh, and I don't recommend playing Shadowrun there. Um, that's a whole other story. But anyways, um, you we were able to sign up for a Shadowrun's mission, and it was easy. Mm-hmm. Like it was, and they kept track of everything for you. You had your worksheet, and done. You were done. That, yep. I mean, you had your mission completed. And I thought that was really cool, especially for people who wanted to play in a campaign. Yeah, absolutely. That was contiguous. You absolutely. Know? So. And so these are all uh, basically all officially run by uh, by Wizards of the Coast um, mm-hmm. from the standpoint of like they they publish the modules and and yep. whatnot. So it's uh, I, I it can be a good experience. Um, yeah. There are uh, certain things that I dislike about it just because there's uh, – you know, obviously you're going to have people just showing up kind of at random right. and leaving at random. Yeah. And uh, so essentially there's – the, the rule is like you just – you don't like, OK, John joins the party. That that's it. That's your character right. intro. Like, there's there's not going to be a plot arc for you that you know right. explains how you just showed up with the group. I know you're in the middle of the jungle, 500 miles from the nearest city, but John's in the party now. Right. Okay. And I think for Shadowrun, it made it easier just mm-hmm. because you're you're pulling a mission and people together. Yeah. And you yeah, know the yeah. Johnson has that. So I think in its you know odd Shadowrun tropiness, mm-hmm. it works really, really well. Oh, it, no, it, it does, especially in that format. Yeah. It does in that format. I think in Shadowrun, I think in D&D, it kind of, I could see how that would get very clunky trying to make that feel right. It, it might be, but if you're, but I guess my point is if you're willing to gloss over those things mm-hmm. and I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's a, if your other option is not having a D&D game. Right. Um, then I think it's a wonderful resource. And yeah. it may even just be a great thing for first-time players who want to try the game out, who don't want to go through the stress of trying to hunt down a group or anything like that. You can – it may not be the greatest first-time experience for what you could get out of the game, mm-hmm. but it will at least allow you to sample a little bit of what the game could be for you. Um, from just the standpoint of if you're, if you're not even sure about role playing in general. Okay, sir. Sir, okay. Okay, sir. Okay. I follow you. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say that the, I would agree with that. I was, I was actually, while you were talking about it, my brain was kind of going to the whole like, 
you know, when I first started playing first-person shooters the, mm-hmm. the, of the new class, the, you know, the survival almost, you know, uh, um, I'm using terrible terms here, but like um, – You're talking about ARK. Let's just get that out of the way. No, actually I'm Arc. not. I'm oh, talking okay. about games like Apex Legends and PUBG and oh, those, right, right, those right, types right, of yep. games. Um, Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle Royale. That's the kind of word I'm really looking for. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, really getting into those games, you just kind of have to jump in and and look for a group you know, or even Overwatch because you don't know what you're going to get, but you got to get a feel for what it is anyways to see if it's you're interested. Yeah. But you can very – and I, I would say pretty – quickly pick up a group and mm-hmm. find people you want to play with and sure. then at that point you extract yourself from that process yeah. and bring yourself to cultivating your own group. Well yeah, just like just like in online games, you've got your friends list. Yeah. You know, and essentially that's all you're doing is you're just you're just hopping into a random mm-hmm. pug and you know a, a pick up group for yep. those of you yep. not in the know yep. that's there what pug stands for. Yep. Um hopping into a random pickup group and uh, you you find the one or two gems out of that. You yeah. create you, you put them on your friends list, and then next time you're looking to get a D and D game together, you say, "Hey, you know, uh, I, I I played with uh, uh I, I you know played with Karen last time. Let's let's give her a call. She yeah, was a lot of fun. Exactly. So then, kind of that brings us into cultivating, mm-hmm. like figuring out once once you've got some people and you've got some friends, maybe. Well, there's there's one other option we haven't talked about. Oh no. Okay, and we're going full online here because we've mentioned oh, things like right. Roll Twenty before. That's true. Okay, so you've got your local gaming stores, which may right. have may have want ads posted up, but you've also got certain online resources. I know Roll Twenty does this. Um, I, I I would love for people in the Discord if you know of other resources, please. Oh post yeah, throw them up, up there. there. Definitely. Um, but uh, they actually have looking for group posts. Uh, the Roll20 game that I was in for that short period of time, uh, all of our players were found that way. I was the only person the storyteller knew in real life. Oh, wow. And uh, basically said, hey, I would love it if you played my game. Um, we're just looking for other players to round it out and slowly but surely someone from like British Columbia and someone from England and someone from like Florida popped into the game and we had our group. Was it a Florida man? It was unfortunately not a Florida man. Oh, wow. That definitely makes it easier for that trope. You know? No, no, no. This person had a trope, but we'll discuss what type of player oh, they were excellent. later because I know exactly we'll which that. one they are on our all list. Right, all right. Well, that's going to be a long thing so I think we should move a little ahead. So, Okay. So they, there are multiple avenues anyways, right, for finding a group all the way from online to local gaming stores to just picking up a lot of your friends. Yes, definitely, definitely. So when you have people that you either A, play with or story – Tell, I'm we're 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 completely mesmerized by Kate. We have no idea what she's doing over there. She's looking very sneaky. Oh, she's got chips with like a bag of we're Doritos, to- and she's smirking. I'm trying to eat like the world's quietest bag of chips over here. It okay? is not working. Leave me alone. <laughs> we appreciate it, Kate. You're I'm fine. So you're fine. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're just totally eating up our time. No, it's fine. Uh, but what I was going to say was that we. When we naturally start doing this, like the first thing that always goes to me is friends. But I think gaming groups have to develop that level of communication just to be able to get to a point where you can play and talk openly. And I think that's one of the keys to cultivating a group is to know what kind of a story your group wants to play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right off the bat, you're not going to know it. I mean, if you've just met somebody and maybe played a session with them, you might have a kind of idea of the mm-hmm. games they like to play. And and newer newer players aren't going to have the self awareness to oh definitely to not. know what type of games they're into, what type they're not. I mean, if right. they're just you know, hey, yeah, sure, okay, all games are kind of the same, whatever. We're going to role play, you know, right? But you know, Vampire the Masquerade is going to play very different than D and D, which is going to play very different than Dread, which is going to play very different than Seventh C, or maybe they only LARPed mm-hmm. or, yeah. or something like that. And that all those have very different things. I mean, I've known a couple people who have been burned out of games like they played one game and never want to role play again because that experience sucked ass oh yeah yeah absolutely i would think that those kind of situations definitely make it challenging to get those types of people back into storytelling Mm -hmm. but i think at the same regard it sets people a certain expectation like hey the last time i played DD, you know i've been playing DD for four years oh really what do you do you know well i've got this dungeon master and They've been running us through all these modules. It's been great. And he had his own little campaign and we did all this stuff. Great. Yet he comes to your table and you find out all he's ever done was dungeon runs and basically is a combat monster because that's all they did. And he has no idea what role playing is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been playing Diablo, the dice and pen edition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. where? when does the loot drop? 
You know, <laughs> my character does not talk. He grunts right. as he moves through combat and makes funny things happen with dice. You know, I uh, I legit had a uh, a player look the big bad in in the eyes when he tried to monologue. Oh, and go, wait, are are you, are, are you really talking? Like. <laughs> In in character, yeah, yeah, looked the big bad in the eye. His character looked yeah. the big bad in the eye. I was like, are, "Are we really doing this? You really want to talk about it? Like, <laughs> you're not just going to try to kill us? <laughs> like, let me let me sit down for a second. Let's let's and have then, a conversation." And then that put me on the spot. I had to come up with this great line about how you know I I, I want to let the fear simmer, and you know <laughs> it makes your bones tastier when I finally <laughs> feast upon you, or something like yeah, that. But yeah. then he was like, "Okay, this is more what I'm used to." <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, okay. All right, now that we go now. That we come down to side like yeah yeah it's 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 finding what your players want and i think one of the hardest things as a storyteller is talking to your players and and being understanding of their needs yeah sure absolutely because they may not know right off the bat and they may they may discover during your story that maybe this isn't the kind of game they want to play or mm-hmm. maybe not the way they want to play it like you could start a dungeon run and they're like, why aren't we talking more? Right, right. Or worse yet, you run a big social game that's like, you know, Game of Thrones and they're like, why are we dealing with this much intrigue? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, we kind of talked about When do we get that. to kill things? Exactly. And then, well, and then you've got to shift Let's gears. hope it doesn't get to that. What do you mean let's hope it doesn't get to that? I signed up for combat. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And I, I think you'll you'll definitely have to feel out your players. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, but I think the key to most good cultivating of groups, at least for me, is that level of friendship, that level of communication that you have with them. Whether it's only when you have sessions, like you may not see this person any other time, you know, but you know them, you know who they are, Mm -hmm. you can call them for games and stuff like that, maybe a bit more than that, but really that's your place where you guys connect. But when you're at that table, you're all friends. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely. all on the same page. You're all in that common goal of trying to have fun together. And and I think that's that's probably the, the the biggest point aside from just constant communication, which is just a good life skill in general, let alone for oh, gaming. God. Um, yeah. But is the the assumption that we are all there for to collaborate and mm-hmm. to make the best experience for everyone? Yeah. And. Uh, even even if you don't know that person terribly well, if they're like a friend of a friend who's been brought right. to your gaming group or someone like that, um, or maybe they're new to your gaming group, as long as you can establish that there is an assumption that everyone is at the table to make the experience better for everyone. Right. As long as you can get them to buy into just that, I think everything else is details. I agree. I agree. And maybe it's just me, but I kind of use that one connection like, hey, I've got a friend mm-hmm. you know, that I'd like to bring to the table. OK, well, you're one of my players. Tell me about them. Yep. Tell me about your experiences with them. Yes. So that you yes. can build that trust through the other player at your table. And for me, it's always, OK, you're bringing this person to my table. It's kind of on you as well to make sure that they're cultivated into the group and whether or not you think maybe it's not going to fit or it will. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Rob, Rob's a bit like a mafia, Don. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you vouch for them and then their life is in your hands. So if they mess up, That's you're right. the one that gets executed summarily. He starts with a pinky. So, you yeah, know. I start I start small. I'm, I'm only going to make you step on one D4. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Legos of D and D, and the lights will be on, and you will step on it. So, <laughs> but I think the other thing about that is that um, in any session, I think it always comes back to there's always one player that you're keeping. Mm-hmm. Like I've I, I've never known a game where I've wanted to start a new game, and I'm like, let me go find a bunch of players that I've never played with. You know, right, that's never right, been in my right, mind. Right. There's always been like, hey, Sarah, I've got this great campaign idea, and you're like, ooh, that sounds awesome. And then we just start pulling stuff together. It's having that one mm-hmm. seat, at least one seated old player, that person who's been with you, who who knows the system right, or knows right. it well enough. I mean, it's funny. We started talking to Matt just recently because I brought up Mouse Guard, and. Uh, <laughs> He started a whole thing. I did. And and I'm sorry, Matt, but I'm not sorry. Hashtag totally not sorry. Hashtag um, not sorry, yeah. Um, I've never actually got to sit down and play Miles Guard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody has played – in our group has played Miles Guard. Uh, I, I'd, I'd only really heard the name. Yeah. Um, but I watched uh, players discuss it. I've, mm-hmm. I watched a bit of it uh, um, 
at a convention mm -hmm. and I was like, this is neat. I like some of the systems and how it's worked, but I've never gotten a chance to play it. So I'm, I'm exceptionally intrigued by it. And I think the only, I, I, I'm going to say this. I think that Matt is awesome for wanting to do this because it's a game system that he wants to get into. And Matt is an amazing storyteller, but at the same time, he's stepping into very unknown territory with everyone because it is a system that we all don't know, but he knows us as players. Right, right. So he's already seeded the field with, I know all of these people are role players. They're, they're good at mm -hmm. what they do. And so therefore, uh, they, I, I've broken past the issue of knowing how they're doing it. So I'm going to say that I'm good to move forward as a storyteller at that point. Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. So. There, there's a, there's definitely a trust you build up with your players over yeah. time like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think you touched on an interesting point there though, is that sometimes you don't always have your old seasoned players at the table, but it's very good to have at least one. one. Yeah. Um, so that way you can have someone kind of acting as a guide to the rest of them, if not mm -hmm. only for rules, but also for role play. Mm -hmm. uh, because I know a lot of a lot of new role players like uh, we we went through this um, with uh, with Sean's game. Right. Uh, where uh, I was the only experienced role player at the table. OK. Uh, everybody else in that and that was uh, was new. Oh, wow. Um, OK. Uh and like to role playing as a whole to role playing as a whole. Oh, wow. Uh, we had played that little bit of aberrant before. Oh, OK. Uh, so they they kind of they kind of got what the gist of role playing was. But this was sure. the first D&D &D game. OK. Um, but still, the, the aberrant section really only went for like a couple months. Honestly, it was not it was not a terribly long time that we played aberrant before okay. we decided that it wasn't the game we were looking for. Uh, so we moved over to D&D. &D. And uh, it was just. It, to the, to this day, actually, um, I I have talks uh, talk with uh, Knox uh, Knox in the box. Okay, yeah. Who, um, you know, he's been he's been discussing with me. He's like, you know, I kind of want to try to role play more, and I've, I feel like you know I'm not getting the feel for my character, and I'm like, just you just just cut loose, man. You yeah. know, he's like, I know, but I kind of feel self conscious about it. Like that's fine, that's fine. Like it's good to have that that old blood at the table to right. to bust into the the monologue. Right. Or to uh, step up and and tell the noble that you're not standing for their shenanigans anymore, and that you're yeah. going to put your foot down. Or, it's not necessarily leadership, but it's setting a scene. Or or to put on a funny voice. Oh yeah. Or to be the goofy bard who does the odd thing and tries to seduce the succubus. Right. You know. Oh, fine. You rolled seduction. I'm going to roll it right back at you. Yep. Ya. Yep. You yep. know. And, and you'll have players, new players, sitting at the table going, "I didn't." I didn't know you could do that. Right. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. But when they see the old blood who knows that these are all things that you can do, mm -hmm. step up and do it. Now suddenly they're going to be a little more daring. Right. If they're thinking about putting on a putting on a voice for their character, the the moment they hear you, the the moment they hear you talking like this, they're going to be like, "Oh, Oh, well they're they're talking like that. Now it's not weird for me. Right. You know? Right. Now I I, I I can also do an accent. Okay, great. Right. Good. Yes. You know? Try something. Try something. Try anything. And even if it doesn't work out, whatever, at least you're trying to get into the scene, you know? Yeah. It definitely helps you break out of your own personal shell yeah. and become something new. Absolutely. Role play, Absolutely. You know? So let's talk about the 700-pound gorilla in the room for about 10 minutes here. <laughs> I went back and did some digging because I remembered somewhere in the annals of my notes and things like that that there were types, that somebody had defined types. And I actually found the D&D &D 4th edition list. I want to just put it on public record right here on our recording that I adore you for finding both of these lists. Yeah. And the second list is one that while I was finding the first one I stumbled across because I remembered it. Mm -hmm. So the first list is just a list of types that fourth edition, I think it was also in the 4.5 uh, book. I want to say the player's handbook had had it, um, you know, because that book had a ridiculous amount of stuff, including that stupid CD in the back that was pretty awesome. Um, but they had types. Are you talking about four or are you talking about three? I'm talking, well, 3.5 had the CD. I think four, no, four did not have a CD. Was there a four or five? I didn't even know there, there was a four or five. There was. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how away from D&D &D I went when, when fourth came out. But I Crazy erotic. I'm sorry. Anywho, I skipped over it pretty much, but right I remembered, I remembered this stuff and I pulled it up and I was like, oh my gosh. So they came up with these. Now, I'm going to read through them all and then we're going to roll back. Now, 
I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. The events that we will describe are real, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent or not so innocent. And we know who you are. We know who you are. Uh, so let's go through this. So right, we have right, right. we have the first one, the actor, mm-hmm. who has fun by developing and acting out fictional characters. That's great. That's Pretty so- simple. That sounds like me. Pretty honestly. straightforward. That sounds like me. We have the explorer. Yeah. Who has fun by immersing in a large and detailed fictional world? Mm-hmm. You know, runs through every corridor, meets every person, kind of thing. There, these are the type of players who, when you introduce an NPC, will immediately ask you what their name is, yes, and what their profession is, yes, and what they do here, yeah, and what brings them here, yeah, and make you f- force you here. to make notes. <laughs> <laughs> you have the instigator who has fun by making something happen, regardless if it would be logical or in character. For those of you who watch uh, the obligatory critical role mention of the uh, of the episode, for uh, Travis Willingham okay. is the instigator okay. of that group. All right. He is the – there's a red button on the wall. I push it. <laughs> but but you can't just – no, I'm it's already pushed. It. Ten-foot pole. What happened? <laughs> what happened? You have the uh, the power gamer who's also known as the min-maxer, mm-hmm. you know, who's literally going to make their character as powerful within that direction as humanly possible. Yep. Yep. Um, we've all done it at some point or another out of either necessity uh, or just because it's who we are. Yeah, um, yeah. But we all like to feel powerful. I mean it's it's it sounds like, you know, power gamer. It's got actually a really bad connotation. It does. And, it, and it can be a bad thing, but it can also be all, quite all right. I mean we all like to feel powerful. Yeah. And so, you know, making your character exceptionally good at something, even if it's just one thing, yeah. you know, it might make your character one-dimensional. But when that situation comes up, you are the absolute master, master of that of yeah. that thing and you're going to have your moment to shine in the, in the limelight. So. Yep, yep. You got your uh, consummate slayer mm-hmm. who has fun by killing things in combat encounters. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people just need that. I've – I've devolved myself and I say that in not a negative way but in this in the role playing sense to mm-hmm. just be like I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this game and when the things come out I'm going to murder them. That was my character in your first D&D game Aww. or my first character in your D&D game. Yeah. Yeah. Your character became way more actory. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. You have the storyteller who has fun in the game session and to tell a continuous and engaging story. This is somebody who constantly brings back their backstory mm-hmm. again and again and again. Uh, again, not a bad thing, but it does happen, you know, yeah. that character. Uh, and the watcher who really doesn't care about the game but just enjoys hanging in with their friends. You skipped one. Oh, did I? Oh, the thinker. The yes. Thinker. Who likes solving all the challenges and being strategic and planning, which I fall into a little too often. So – I'm just going to say that. I mean, the good news is you're thinking about things. That means you're engaged with the story. You're yes. thinking about the bigger, the bigger plot at hand it is true. and whatnot. It is true. And you understand that your character's actions have an effect on the world around you. Sometimes I want them to have more, but I, I, I've. And sometimes those effects go on for an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. Between gonna... Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, geez. Yes, we will never discuss that on, on air. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Then I found this other list. Now, I think the second list is way more complete and I think more fun to talk about. And we can definitely find people in this without a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're going to have to cut to the skinny on a lot of these, I think, uh, just because otherwise we're never going to get to the questions, which are really good. I think some of the questions are really good this week. Yeah, yeah. The questions are great. Um, so uh, Aaron Alliston – of champions, have you played champions? I you remember have not champions? played champions. You know champions. I mean, I know, I know of it. Yeah. When they did Strike Force, which I think was effectively like DLC for it. Okay. Um, he had actually come up with these eleven. And I think he put them into uh, their errata. Okay. And I remembered glancing at these uh, and thinking, God, that's kind of tropey, and like you're trying to pigeonhole. But at the same time, I looked at them like so much of this is true. Yeah, like like, like I, I I it's tropey, but I know half of these people. I, I know all of these. people. I've met <laughs> every single one of these people, and and honestly, I'm gonna say this: they are said in such a nice light mm-hmm. that it's different, and that's what I like about this. These are almost done in a positive manner. Sure. So sure. you have the builder who wants to have an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. I have seen people who've played that character in certain games who are not that in others, who just they go in and they have it in their mind that they're going to make an impact on this world. They're going to become a prince or they're going to become a paladin and change this whole area. And I love watching that kind of stuff. And I I've seen that those literally both of those scenarios Mm -hmm. are real scenarios that I've watched. There's there's someone in my game who is this. Yep. yep. You know who I'm talking about. I do. I do. Uh, We have the buddy. 
He comes to the game uh, to be with his friends, and while he's having fun, he's not really deeply involved in the game. We have someone who believes they are that in the current game that we're playing. I don't believe that that is true. His uh, his character has a much deeper impact than he thinks. Absolutely. Uh, but that was his intent. He literally came to the game and said, uh, sure, I'll play that and I have no problem and has just kind of been enjoying himself. And hey, whatever. I'm hanging out with friends playing D&D. I don't really care. No, it's fine. That's great. But care and you're yeah. going to get plot whether you like and it or not. Exactly. Plot. It, it comes with a side of plot. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. You're in the house of plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you order is going to come with a set of plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the coleslaw of D and D. Yeah, yeah. Or or like the inner house of international house of plots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, did did you did you order the cherries jubilee? It comes with a set of plots. <laughs> so uh, then you have the combat monster who wants combat, pure and simple. It's fun to be wrapped his hand around beating the crap out of bad guys. Mm-hmm. I, I've known these people. These people have sometimes lifetimes in D and D where that's all they do. Yep. And they're yeah. good at it. Um, and I think – I don't think it makes them a negative. Mm-hmm. I think any of these can be a negative and I'm going to kind of close that in our closing. But we'll keep going. Sure. Um, the copier. <laughs> this person well, is interested we- in recreating characters from other media in this. Now, flat out, you all heard it here on the show uh, when uh, we had Chris on. Chris does this. Like in one of my games, mm-hmm. he literally made Paul Muad'Dib from Dune as a Castilian character in one of my 7C games. Yep. And I didn't yep, yep. know it until he was literally done describing his character and getting everything out. He's like, by the way, I'm Paul Muad'Dib. I'm like, you son of a <laughs> – because he sneaks it in. He, you know, if you're going to be Batman, be Batman everywhere and all the time. You right. Know? doesn't exactly. matter what genre you're in. <laughs> be Batman. Is it Pablo? Yeah, it's, it's Pablo. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Pablo Raton, the rat. <sighs> Or the mouse-shaped shadow in the moon. Yeah, all right. We're going to step away from Dune now. Um, the genre friend, okay? He wants to model everything after genre elements and is disappointed when the GM veers away from the usual genre tropes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, I can see it. You know? This is this is perhaps the person who, uh, you know, wants to make the knight in shining armor that exactly. saves the princess. Yep. And when there is no princess in the castle. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, oh, I kind of made this character be a knight in shining armor and I feel a little cheated. Or or they're the knight in shining armor who's doing justice and then finds out that he's working for somebody who's unjust. Right, 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 right. right. You know, yeah. you're the right hand of unjust and you just figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to talk about that uh, in another thing. Well, you know, I'm going to bring that back around at the end. I'm going to bring that back we'll around. Be, we'll bring it back we'll around. We'll bring it back around. Okay. Okay, Rob. Rob, okay. <laughs> okay, Rob. Thanks. Uh, the mad slasher. He kills everything that moves no matter what's – whether it was needed or not. <laughs> a little bit like the combat monster, only a little more off the leash. I, I, I think it's the – it's the uh, you know, I'm going to backstab that guy. What? Why? I'm going to backstab that guy. <laughs> I, 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 I see that more as the uh, – I try to haggle with the, uh, with the shopkeeper. Oh, OK. The shopkeeper isn't having it. All right. Well, then I'm just going to kill him and take it. Yeah. You're just going to commit murder because he wouldn't shave 20 gold off of the price. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. doing this. Yeah. I think the mad – I think it's the mad blanker because it could be a thief who just automatically steals from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think the, 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 mad, the mad thief is probably the, the diet version of the mad slasher. Yeah. 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 Because at least he doesn't leave a trail of corpses. But well, sometimes they do still. Sometimes they do. <laughs> uh, the mad thinker. This player uh, seeks clever solutions to game problems. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done that myself a number of times. Like, yeah. ooh, we got to get everybody out of this town. Let's poison the water. What? Let's just poison the water. Dude. Okay. That, that escalated very quickly. <laughs> exactly. Like, can, can we just maybe say infiltrate or something? <laughs> right. 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 But it's always, you know, clever does not necessarily mean smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But it is definitely a clever way of getting things modern done. Problems require modern solutions. That's right. That's right. Or a giant axe in some cases. Um, the plumber wants interesting, intricate character with deep, complicated backgrounds, motivations, and expects the ex, uh, ex, uh, exploration thereof. AKA, I made a deep, rich background character who has a a, a, a troubled childhood with multiple people who have ruined them and how they're going to rue the day when they go and find them and murder them. And he's tied not only to the main villain, but his chief lieutenant as well, as well as four, count them four, in-game organizations that you can find in these source books. Correct. AKA, welcome to V for Vendetta as one of your players. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I think that kind of goes back to the whole trope of uh, 
different genre. It, it, but but again, but again, you know, I mean, we it's we make it sound bad. We make it sound bad, but having somebody who ingrains themselves in the lore is a good thing. Yeah, teaches everyone else. Because first off, it teaches everyone else, and second off, it makes it really easy to tie in a lot of these outside tropes and stuff like that. Um, for instance, we have a player in 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 my game uh, right now who, when they handed me their backstory, did write up a couple names yeah. and locations of of proper things. And when they did that, I don't even think they really truly understood the implications of what they put on their backstory. Mm-hmm. But I did. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And I was able to then go, okay, just because you gave me the in. Yeah. Because you said you lived in this location rather than this location. Mm-hmm. I know what's going on there. And now suddenly, wham, there are now plot hooks do. that I wasn't going to put in there before. Yep. But now that made my story a lot deeper because you took the effort to put those hooks in your story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that helps draw the team mm-hmm. as a whole toward plot because they're directly involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't think that they're a bad person. That yeah, is a yeah. crazy – just absolutely. don't over – put them in your game right right so um you've got the romantic we all know who this is yes the player who focuses on relationships and character interaction i need to adopt everyone Mm -hmm. everyone and i use the word adopt for a very specific reason but the whole thing is is that these players aren't bad either and i'm not saying this in a negative connotation yeah. we're going to always sound like that cuz again we're like we know remember this scenario we're, oh my god what what, what what we're doing here in the studio is we're looking at each other with a knowing smirk on our faces <laughs> going we have so many stories to tell that we can't tell on this no, podcast. No, there's literally not. Enough. I'm literally watching our time dwindle, and I'm like, "There's so much to talk about. There's always, <laughs> there's always so much to talk about." Um, but yeah, like use those people, use those relationships for both good and bad. Let mm-hmm. let them draw off away from your villain a little bit down a slight rabbit hole, only to discover that because they went down that rabbit hole, there's a pile of problems left behind mm-hmm. that they didn't realize or. Draw them back to where they need to be. Sure. You sure. know, um, I always like the way that that kind of moment works. I think I'm going to pull a Harry Potter movie reference out. Okay. Um, okay. When the uh, uh, near the end of the movie, they run into Dumbledore's brother and he actually brings them back to plot. And puts them right back in connection with the school and how to get in. And it almost feels like a MacGuffin. Like, oh, he was just here. But he had been there all along Mm -hmm. as a subtle character that was there. And that kind of allowed them – it allowed one of the characters, if we want to say that Harry's one of the characters, to say, I'm interested in this. I'm going to follow this individual. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I I want to know more. And boom, now that I have trust, I can get to where I want to go. And it was a great storyteller point in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the <laughs> rule C lawyer. I don't know why they actually use that, but rules lawyers are effectively the players who are primarily interested in bending the rules in order to min-max their characters as much as humanly possible. I think that's a really negative connotation yeah, to it. It's a really negative description. Um, a rules lawyer is basically just someone who knows the rules. Um, at their core, there's someone who saw the rule book and said, this is the way the game is played. Right. And they understand that to be the structure upon everything that's built. Correct. And so if something needs to happen, they understand that by the you know that that, that there is a rule for it. Right. There will be a role because on page one forty seven of the player's handbook, mm-hmm. it specifically says in the third paragraph that that's the rule you use. Now, on one hand, yep, you can obviously see where this is going. They know the rules. They know how to bend the rules. They know all the well. It said and not. Or right. so it functions this way, which is going to suddenly destroy your entire plot. It, it can turn out like that. Mm-hmm. But I will say it is really nice having a rules lawyer at your table sometimes because you can just focus on story. And if you do need something quoted verbatim out mm-hmm. of the player's handbook, you can literally just point to that person and be like, what was the ruling on that again? Oh, it's a dexterity check. Thank you. Yep, and you just move right and on. You just move right on. Yep. Um, utilize them. Utilize them, and it makes them feel important too, and it, mm-hmm. it keeps them involved in the story as well. So, um, you know, definitely your your rules lawyers probably you're going to hear that word as a derogatory term a lot. It doesn't. It's not always a derogatory term. No, it can be. I think any of these could be. Yeah, and it really comes down to the people. Well, we got a few more to go through. It's a matter of extremism, honestly. I agree. Yeah, and intent. And intent. Yes. Yeah. 
the you got the show off mm-hmm. who's the person who is in the spotlight uh for their own character usually at the expense of other characters this, this is this is me I, this one is me no look i'm 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 openly admitting it this okay. is me okay this is I, me. I don't I, always see that but i think that is someone i think that that position isn't as permanent i think that happens with people from time to time but they recognize it or don't yeah i i, I mean i'm i'm going to say it's me with the with the caveat that um it's me whenever the plot is focused on me. Right. I'm pretty good, I believe, at stepping back and allowing everybody else to have their own spotlight. So I don't think that last bit where it's where it says to the detriment of other players is is necessarily application. And I think that's I think that's the intent. But, I think that's where we need to you need to say are they intending on doing that? right? And but but damn it, when I have the limelight, mm-hmm. I'm gonna let that thing shine on me. Yeah. And here comes the different one to the mm-hmm. rules lawyer, and that is the pro from Dover who decides a character is best in a field. Whatever that field is, and they drive to that field. Like this person is a, a, a horse master. Like, mm-hmm. Epicure is their thing. Well, like that's great in in certain campaigns, but it can be very detrimental if you write up a campaign that's about the high seas and they're a master of horses. Yep. Like, what do you do? Well, maybe that's something they really want to be interested in, and you might need to accommodate a little. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it can definitely it definitely leads some conversations with your with your players. Yeah, I mean the other thing is is that if they are a pro at horses, it doesn't mean they can't do other things. But that's what they're best at. There's nothing to say that you can't utilize that in a different sense. Sure. Meaning that you know you hear you know where normally players would be like, oh, so what is he trading in? Oh, he's trading in you know things. But he raises Lippenzellers. I'm like, your one character goes, wait a second, Lippenzellers. Exactly. Yes. And that's the point is that. They're there to now go, wait, can uh-huh. I make a roll on that? And you make a roll, you're like, there's no way he's making a trade on that. You know, he's not mm-hmm. going to trade those after they're six months old. What's really going on here? And now that player has an in. Exactly. But it's not the way you originally thought about mm-hmm. it. So, and then, uh, the, what is that? The tragedian? Tragedian. Tragedian. Wow. Nice, uh-huh. nicely put. Uh, where they want their character to suffer and want play, they want to play that suffering out. And I've seen it. I've done it. I think in certain games it's hilarious. Um, there's some there, – there's definitely some games where I've seen that as an actual fault. So – Liam O'Brien for anyone, for anyone paying attention. Liam O'Brien, he has a brand and he does it very well. There you go. There you go. So I think what we're really getting at and what we kind of described is that there are all these different types of people. We will put this list up so you can decide who you are or mm-hmm. our friends on Discord who are out there. Take a look at it. See see who you are. See who you've been. But remember that these aren't negative. The negative connotation comes into your intent. Yep. If your intent is to be not a friend at the table and not let other people enjoy the game, then yeah, it's a negative. But remember that these aren't bad. Yeah, exactly. A they, tragedian at your table can add a lot of drama. Oh my god, they can. Or they can soak up hours with depressive edgelord BS. Exactly. It's all about how it's played. It's all about uh, how much time it takes up. It's all about uh, their intent in doing so. So Yeah. And gaming with people is trial and error. It is. You're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. People are going to have bad days. People are going to have bad moments. Things are going to – on the outside are going to make – impacts on it like you have a crappy day at work or you've mm-hmm. maybe maybe like one of your players just literally pulled you know 40 to 60 hours of training and all they've done was talking for a week and a half and now they get to a session and they don't want to talk anymore mm-hmm. they're done talking and you enter into social combat and suddenly they're just not in it for that anymore yeah <laughs> yeah that those are things that you're just going to have to watch for and it's i think as a storyteller you've kind of got to look out for your players and see how they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's I think the big thing is especially like for our newer storytellers out there or people who are considering picking up a game and, and, and being a storyteller for the first time. We've talked an awful lot about curating your group and mm-hmm. you know knowing your players and all this sort of stuff, but that but it really is. This is all trial and error. Yeah. Like no none of us walked in, you know, when I first sat down at your table, mm-hmm. I was a friend of another friend. Yeah. Uh, I was introduced because this person said, hey, Sarah's cool. She can join us. Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And yeah. a friend of yours is a friend of mine. Yep. But, you know, we'll, we'll give her a try. You didn't know. Mm-mm, not a clue. And, but we communicated. Yep. We talked. 
you got my feedback on what I was enjoying about the game, what I wasn't enjoying about the game. Yeah. You you learned me as a person. We hung out outside of game. Very much so. And uh, at that point, you know, we established a friendship and you was, you you understood after a couple game sessions that like, okay, Sarah's, Sarah's someone I, I enjoy having at my table. Yeah. And I was invited back next time. And now here we are doing a podcast together. So exactly. And you may find right. people as a storyteller, you might find that maybe gaming for you isn't so much about – the role play aspect. Maybe you just like to do dungeon running with your friends and sure. and getting them into deep trouble. And you'll find your group that connects with that, where mm-hmm. it's a lot less talky and a lot more slashy. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's what you play. Not every group is good for every game. Exactly. You know, you're not gonna. I, I'm I'm not gonna bring the same people to play Dread that I'm gonna play with my D and D game. So, so I'm gonna say let's let's wrap this up a little bit with some some quick final statements on this. And I'm gonna say one of the things that. Uh, we talked about was have a discovery session. Do a zero session. I think Shadowrun as a system does this really easy with a milk run. But there's nothing that says that you have to immediately jump into the depth of your campaign with any group, whether you know them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always nice to give them something where they can – where you can discover them. And as you had pointed out to me yesterday, where they can discover themselves, discover their own characters. Yeah. And I think that's important before you immediately throw them because it's knowing what you're going to say in the game is something you don't know until you're there. Mm-hmm. So take that time and figure out what kind of story you want to tell. Give agency to not only what their characters are going to be but how they want to be. Ask the questions. It's one of the hardest things we can do as a storyteller mm-hmm. is, hey, what do you guys want to do? And listen and and be prepared for them to be like, I'm not sure or – that for them to tell you it's not what you wanted to do. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So. Uh, and, you know, don't be afraid to make those changes on the fly as well. Yeah. You know, so if you do start, you know, if you do kind of sit down thinking, well, we're going to probably have more of a hack and slash sort of game mm-hmm. and three out of your four players look you in the face and say, I don't know, I'm kind of done with hack and slash. I'd really like something that's more, you know, questy, a little more romantic, maybe a little more social. Okay, well, you know, maybe maybe we can talk about making – you know, making this yeah. more more of a social game for you. Yeah. We have questions. We have a lot of questions. We have like 10 minutes. We have like 10 minutes and a lot of questions. All right. We're going to try and hit these hard and fast because I think we answered a lot of these. Uh, and also, like I said, I, I think I – think, uh, There's a couple you want to throw in the next session? Yeah. There's a couple we'll, that, we'll dis- were, that were asked with sufficient time before this episode. Yep. But they apply a lot more to what is going to be next week's – uh, topic. So okay. I, we're going to hold them in reserve. All right. So we're going to go through the ones that we that at least I, I'm seeing here that we've definitely kind of either hit or we can hit pretty quick. Um, veteran had the question: What do you look for in players when you're setting up a new game? For me, it, because I've done this for so long and I have a stable or a box of players uh, that uh, we are. Uh, capable of kind of looking at what I already know. Like I can pick out of my group if I want to run this type of game or I can pick out of this group this type of game. And I think that's what I look for in players is I look for people who are interested in going through the game that I want to – the story that I want to play through. Now, it may not – I may get with them and find out they want it to be maybe a little less social, a little more active. Or we may find out that they they want to make little twists to it or put their own feelings to it. But effectively, when I'm looking for players, that's what I do. I I try and make sure that they want to step into the world and the story type that I'm looking to go. And then beyond that, I think it's it's adjustment to what they want to play in their play style for that session. At least that's the way I look at it. Uh, I have nothing to add. I think that's perfect. Okay. Fair. fair Legitimately fair. think that's perfect. You want to grab that next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Knox in the Box, uh, who I'd like to give a quick shout out to for being our very first Patreon. Thank you so yes. much for supporting the show. Yes, very much so. Uh, has offered up a question to us. If your players expect a certain amount of props, tech, etc., is it reasonable or appropriate to ask them to shoulder some of the expense of that? How would you best approach that subject? Uh, thoughts about a dues system. So we actually talked about this legitimately straight up in our game. Yeah. Uh, in in yeah. my game. Uh, because I found myself uh, going out and buying new miniatures mm-hmm. for various creatures. Uh, I was spending money at the craft store to try to build new terrain and whatnot. Right. Did I really need to get around to doing? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, a lot of that actually did come up and what we, we had kind of like in our in our just in our gaming group. This isn't really a thing. I don't think outside of our gaming group. Right. We have what we call the GM bribe. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is just it's just kind of customary to uh, that the GM is is running a game for you. So um, you know sometimes the GM bribe is a slurpee. Yeah. Sometimes for me the GM it it, it got out that I like sour candy. So like mm-hmm. bags of Sour Patch Kids would just show up in front of me. Yep. It was like Christmas every single time, and it was wonderful. But um, I what I I got thinking I'm like I'm spending an awful lot of. Not an awful lot of money. Like I wasn't bankrupting myself. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't want to make it sound like that. But right, but I, right. I was I was spending money consistently on the hobby to right. run this game for everybody. Sure. And I thought to myself, you know, you guys always you know buy me bags of Sour Patch Kids and stuff. Of that um, first off, I'm actually getting backlogged on Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> um, which is not a problem I ever thought I would have. Right. But at the same time, instead of maybe putting two or three bucks into Sour Patch Kids. Put two or three bucks just like into the game. Yeah. Help me defray a little bit of the cost of like, well, you guys are going to fight a weird monster. I need a miniature for it. So right. I'm just going to pick up the Reaper Bones. It's not much more than four or five bucks. But right. you know, we did actually have a conversation. I think everybody was amenable to it. Um, I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to ask yep. as long as you can uh, establish trust. Money is changing hands and that's always a – yeah, very dicey thing that can cause lots of problems very quickly. And I think as a storyteller, one of the things you also have to recognize is if you're playing in someone else's area, like you're playing at somebody else's house, mm-hmm. and and that's a consistency that there's a burden there for that person as yeah, well. Absolutely. And being understanding of that, I think any, I think it's more than just the the typical costs and associations. Sometimes it's a matter of setup. Sometimes it's a matter of 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 use of other people's things. And anytime you're doing that. It's being mindful as a group, a player and storyteller of everyone's contributions. Right, right. And asking for it I don't think is a problem at all. But I think it's how you ask for it. It's not, it's not a demand. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no – should be no assumption on anyone's parts. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Back to being friends. All right. All right. Draven had a question. Player- Draven had three questions. Yeah. We're going to start with the first one here <laughs> uh, and we might get to the other two. Uh, so player autonomy in terms of character creation. From create anything from any of the available source material to we need XYZ types of characters. So decide amongst yourselves who's going to play the type to here are your pre-generated characters and backstories. That is a shit ton to unpack, Draven. That is – I am going to flat out tell you that I'm going to hit this for about 30 seconds and then we're going to have a show (laughs) that's going to talk about character creation. But Mm – from a storytelling aspect, I have done all of those things. Yes. I have given people carte blanche to do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. from multiple universes, in fact, uh, to uh, giving them, hey, I want this. I want that. I want to I wanna make sure that we have a nice tight uh, built campaign because I have an idea for where you fit into it uh, to uh, here's your pregens. I did a pregen game. And I would say out of all of those, it's it really comes down to giving your players the ability to be a character, not just giving uh, – giving someone a pregen gives them stats mm-hmm. to a degree. And like one of the stories I did was the Children of Heroes where literally yep. I made half, half quality characters and said, OK, here's the rest of your points to fill out. Like I gave them room to fill out a few things and then told them, create your backstories based on what you see here. Yep. And it worked out, I think, very well. One of my favorite characters, honestly. Yeah. And uh, then I let you guys grow up, which was even better. <laughs> I, I will, and, and I, I looked the character over and I said, I don't know what the hell to do with this. But then I saw you dropped a couple points in firearms, so I dropped a couple more and said, there she's a gun bunny now. There you go. And and I think so that so then when you step to the here's the types, I think I think when you start dealing with types and stuff like that, it helps them focus mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I think that players who say, hey, I don't want to play that type, fine. Find somebody else in the game to swap it with sure. before you get into that. And then the carte blanche is where you can get into a little bit of trouble um, as a storyteller. But I think it's less trouble and more when you're prepared to accept that, open up that door. I don't think you should go through – allow them to go through any of the source material right off the bat if you don't know it well enough. Don't don't ever put yourself in a position where you don't know where yeah. what's coming at you. It takes a lot of player trust to do that. Yeah. But if you have that trust, by all means. Drop it like it's hot. Mm-hmm. I did that in a game too. So 
All right. You want to take this next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Draven continues. He says, just curious to hear your thoughts on point buy versus rolled stats in systems that have the option. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I, I have an opinion on this. Um, Rob's kind of shaking his head. I've shrugging his I, shoulders. I've gone both ways. So go for it. Um, so I used to be a very rolled stats sort of person. Yeah. I grew up that way. And then uh, I have been point by ever since. I think it's easier. Fifth edition D&D I think turned me on it. Um, okay. There's There's what they call the uh, – was it the standard set? Yeah, standard I set. I think it's just the standard set. Uh, I think it's what it's called. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, what, a, a 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. Yes. So you have a couple high stats that yep. aren't – remarkably high, yep. but they're good. Yep. You've got one low stat, you've mm-hmm. got one average stat, and mm-hmm. a gradation in between. Yep. Uh, so you have to have a dump stat, yep. you know? But you do have that one thing, like if you're playing a rogue, you put your decks in, fif- you know, 15 in your decks, yep. so that you can be assured that that's going to be your best thing, you know? So um, I think for me, I never, I always felt rolled stats was kind of BS. I mean, it makes for, it makes for your opening of your character to either be exceptional or shitty. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and it's it the very really, first thing you establish like, about your character. If if literally in character creation you get disillusioned by playing the game, that sets for a very shitty place yeah. to be. And and I mean there's there's a there's a an argument that it's more realistic because not everybody's great at everything. Some people lose the genetic lottery. So point by gives you that same situation. You get to decide where you're shitty. <laughs> right, right. But also we play games for escapism, not yeah. for representations of realism. So Exactly. Let's leave the social Darwinism at the uh at the table and uh yeah. give I me think... give me my give me my eighteen decks. All right, Draven, you get another question just because you're awesome and you All keep right. asking these. Always curious about how people uh, handle wrapping up campaigns when you're going to be running another with the same group. How long before it ends do you start talking about it with them? All right, I'm going to treat this like it's a relationship. You should always tell your players that you're ready to move on. Don't just don't just cut that relationship off and start cheating on them with another campaign. <laughs> you know, you, you got to have an end to it. No. No, I'm, I'm going to be dead honest. I didn't know where you were going with that when you started talking. But then I was like, no, I'm kind of into that analogy, no, it's, actually. I think it, it works. It, communication is the key. very emotionally invested in yeah. games. Yeah. They're all there week after week or month after month, sitting yeah. at these tables, building these emotional bonds, telling these stories, getting attached to characters and mm-hmm. plots and whatnot like that. And you can't just be like, oh, and the villain dies. Okay, uh, who wants to run next game? Yeah, but it, the same thing I'm going to say. If you're a storyteller and you're getting bored of your game – you got to let your players know. Yeah. Don't don't just be like guys I, I can't do this anymore or I you know in, in, or, or say that. Mm-hmm. Say that. Don't just not run the game. Don't just get lazy because again, they're invested. They want to play the game. They're going to come back at you and if you're if you're not prepared, then they're going to feel terrible. So, I would say and this is just uh, I would say from my point of view, uh Draven, if you're getting close to wrapping up a game, that excitement level that that push at the end of the game, push it all the way through mm-hmm. and and give an afterglow to your players. I wouldn't say like run a secondary session or something like that at the end of the story unless you feel like you need it. But, you know, go – if you want to roll on the next game, start telling them about it immediately. Like tell them like, hey, I got this idea for this other game. Are you guys interested? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, but can we do this? And they might turn you from what you were going to do into something else and just write a note in a book, put it off to the side. Give it a little bit of room. You'd be amazed how quickly your players will be like, yeah, let's try that other game. Let's move on. I think a lot, I think a lot of this answer is judging your player's excitement level. Always. Uh, I mean if they're if they're ready to roll on another campaign and they're like gung-ho, yeah, absolutely. Roll right into it as soon as you guys all feel ready. But, you know, a lot of times players need to – especially when, you know, we're all adults and, you know, work and kids and family and, you know, whatnot like that. Sometimes you just – you need a breather because you're making sacrifices to be there at the game already. And if the campaign is coming to an end, maybe I need a month or two to kind of just take care of some stuff, make sure that my schedule is clear again so that we can re engage in a, in a new game exactly all right we did have three more questions we did and we we know about them the mad elf and techno lich we find them to be fantastic questions but we actually want to discuss next week with those in next week's topic and that is building immersive characters now i will say that we did not know we were going to go there uh as quickly but uh when we we kind of walked into it we we're like 
yeah, we, this this is where we need to go with this. And the questions drew right to it. So we will bring those questions in uh, to to ne- uh, next week's discussion. Well, next week. Wow, it's already happening. Yep. So I think it's time for us to wrap up as, as our engineer is yelling at us. Well, she's not yelling. She's pointing very she's pointing. politely. All right. So let's hit this. Slightly waving my finger. She's okay. okay fair she's enough. at the waving standpoint. Right. So we better wrap up. So let's say this. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, or on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Um, you can also uh, now find us on Patreon at Storyteller Conclave. Um, and remember, you can always find us on Google Music, iTunes, and Spotify now. Uh, so tell your friends. Hook them up. Uh, Spotify is actually pretty awesome at finding us. Absolutely. Um, or if you, uh, jump into our Discord. If you're listening to us for the first time, uh, go to our Twitter link and you'll find everything there. We'd love to see you on Discord. There's a lot of very active uh, discussion that takes place there all the time. Uh, we do want to, we mentioned our Patreon, give another big shout out to our very first Patreon, Eric. Thank you thank so you, much for supporting you, the you, show. You're keeping us going here and letting us know that we're loved and supported and also helping to fray a little bit of the cost we put into this. Our music is uh, Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog, and our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Both can be found at freemusicarchive.org. We record here at Podcast Detroit. Uh, which can be found on Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Our engineer is Kate, and we love her oh so much. Uh, and we'd love to thank you, our Patreon supporters like Eric, our families, uh, Vicky and Sean, thank you so much, and all of our friends out there who play games with us. And you, our listeners. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Good night. Good night.